This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, June 15th. I'm Robert Bluey. And I'm Virginia Allen. On today's show, we talk with Pastor Miles McPherson, pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego, California, and author of The Third Option, Hope for a Racially Divided Nation. McPherson shares how his own experiences of racism and how we can actively seek unity as a society that so often finds itself divided. We also share your letters to the editor and a good news story about daily prayer and worship gatherings that are taking place at the site of George Floyd's death. Rob, before we jump into today's show, I want to ask you for an update from the Heritage Foundation's National Coronavirus Recovery Commission. You are the spokesman for the commission, and you all have now released recommendations for all five phases. You've also released an interactive map showing states across America that have actually implemented some of those key recommendations. Can you tell us a little bit about where the commission's work is right now? Absolutely. Today is a big day for the commission. In fact, we're having an event that all of our listeners are invited to attend, either live or after the fact, if they're unable to join us. Uh, And it's taking place this afternoon, Monday, June 15th, at 3 p.m. We're going to have a keynote address from Secretary of Labor, Eugene Scalia, as well as remarks from our chairman, Kay Coles-James, who also is the president of the Heritage Foundation. And Virginia, let me tell you that the work of the commission over the past couple of months has just been tremendous. You mentioned a couple of the things uh, right there with the map, uh, really analyzing how the states are performing, the 265 recommendations to help us reopen America. And today's event will feature some of the things that you as an individual can do to make sure that your contribution is having a positive effect uh, as we move through this recovery. It's not easy, Virginia, but uh, we think that uh, we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, no, it's really looking forward to the event today, Rob. I think it's going to be just really tremendous to see what all the work that you all have done. And we're so thankful for Kay Coles James and the other 17 commissioners who have played such a key role. Virginia, if our listeners would like to tune in, all they have to do is go to coronaviruscommission.com. Again, it's coronaviruscommission.com, and they can get all the information for today's event. Okay, let's start today's show. joined by Miles McPherson, pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego, California, author of The Third Option, Hope for a Racially Divided Nation, and a former NFL football player. Pastor Miles, thanks for being here. It is my pleasure. How are y'all doing today? We are doing well. We're really excited to chat with you. You joined the Daily Signal podcast about a year ago, and you talked about your your book, The Third Option, Hope for uh, a racially divided nation. And it's really a joy having you back on today because we are in need of some of that hope <laughs> right now. <laughs> yes. Oh, we sure are. So I want to begin just by, uh, for those who might not be familiar with your book, uh, just give me a, a little bit of a summary. The, the third option, you said that you wrote it because, you know, we're kind of, we grow up and we're trained to think in this us versus them mentality, but you say, no, there's actually another way to think what is that third option correct you know if you look on the news and and you can just feel it you have to it's us versus them you have to pick one side against another uh, against another you're either for or against black lives you're either for against the police or for or against defunding the police and there's so much division in the in the world the third option is that we honor what we have in common so instead of being me against you 
if we can join together and focus, acknowledge, and focus on what we have in common. We have more similarities than differences. All of us bleed red. All of us love family, food, fun, sleep, and we're all made in the image of God. And 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 so the the, the numbers of ways that the numbers of things that we share in common far outweigh our differences. Even when George Floyd was was killed, the reason we're seeing protests is because all of us, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, have pain in our heart. We share that in common, and we share in common that what was done to him was wrong. And so if we can join forces and focus on those things, then, then we can um, uh, walk in hope and, and actually experience uh, some healing. You do such a good job in your book of explaining some of your own experiences as a kid facing racism from both the black and white community. Could you take a minute and just share a little bit of your own story? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, all my grandparents are from Jamaica, I have two black grandfathers, one white grandmother and one half Chinese black grandmother. So I have light brown skin. And so when I went to school in my white neighborhood, in the white neighborhood near me, uh, and when I grew up, it was segregated. So um, I went to school in a neighborhood that was 100% white. And so I got harassed there because I wasn't white. And then I got harassed because I wasn't black enough. But and that's where I lived. So uh, there was always I always felt a little bit like an outsider. But when I went home, I had the United Nations in my house. <laughs> and and then we played football. Black and white came together, and we, we also had unity on the football field. So that's kind of where I um, got to meet and get to get to see unity and actually participate in unity was on the football field. In addition to my house. Um, but yeah, I, I've experienced it. Listen, racism is sin, and, it, and, and we all have some kind of bias towards people, and, and that applies to everybody on the planet. And so every country is different, and we're just, we're just now experiencing one expression of it here in the United States. Yeah. Now, I think sometimes when, you know, when we hear stories like yours, there's this temptation, specifically in the white community, of which I'm a part of, to say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to see color. But you point out that this is, it's really not helpful and it's actually dishonoring a huge part of who a person is. So how can we actually see color in a way that adds honor to an individual who looks different from us? That's a good question. You know, one of the ways to uh, honor the similarities that we have is to acknowledge that we have blind spots and a blind spot is being blind to what you are blind to. You don't even know you don't know. Uh, it's the gap between your intent and the uh, of what you say or do and the impact of what you say or do. And so if someone says, I don't see color, their intent is to build a bridge or to say, listen, I'm not going to judge you. But the impact can be to the person of color is negative because you just told that person you don't see them and, and, and you don't see them for what they are. I remember the first time someone told me I, they didn't see color, my color. I thought they had an eye stigmatism. And, and so they said, no, 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 we just don't see your color. And I was like, so you see red, blue, and green, but you don't see my color. I said, so how do you know I have a color you don't see if you don't see it? And what they didn't realize is that they were saying to me, because I even asked them, I said, do you see me as white? And they, and, and they didn't know what to say. And, and it says, because I'm not white and my experience is not white. So when you say you don't see what I am, you are also ignoring the burden that comes with my color, which means you don't want to deal and address or acknowledge my burden, which means how can you love me then? And how can, how can you really care for me if you're willing to ignore and deliberately ignore any pain that I have? And so saying you don't see color, I, I get the intent, but the impact 
can be negative. So it's, it's better to say, no, I see what you are because God made you that way and you're beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like when someone gets a tan in Hawaii, they want to show it off. But so when you get a tan in Hawaii, you want to celebrate. But when you get a tan in the womb, you want to invalidate. And so it's kind of hypocritical to say, I'm going to go to Hawaii and get a tan so everybody can see my brown. But when someone's born brown, we say we don't see it. And so it's a blind spot. So I think people should say, I see what you are. I respect what you are. I want to learn about who you are. And that's how we grow in honor and respect. So in that same vein of, of learning about others and other people's experiences, you talk about having race consultations <laughs> instead of just conversations. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, because you see color, every person you talk to, you're having a race conversation. Even when you look in the mirror, if you're white, you, have, you know you're talking to a white person. If you're black, you know you're talking to a black person. And so, and so whoever you have a conversation with, you're aware of who you're talking to. And, and so, but instead of, so therefore, every time you see someone, even before you have a say anything to them, in your mind, you're saying that's an Asian person, that's a what, and you may be wrong, but you're guessing. And you're also, because of your background, your social narrative, which we all have, which is the story that shapes how we see the world, based on all the information we've received as a kid and growing up, we have opinions. And those opinions speak to us when we see someone. What we need to do is take those opinions, which are the race conversation, and suspend them until we get to know the person and let the person um, self-disclose to us who they are. That's called a race consultation. I am letting you show me who you are, and I'm letting you expand and challenge my preconceived ideas about who you are. So if I see someone that's like the lady in New York City who had the dog off the leash, and, and, and the black man came and said, can you put the dog on the leash? And she freaked out and called the police and said, an African-American man is threatening my life. And all he was doing was asking her to put a, her dog on the leash. And, she, and, and he was videotaping this. Well, what she saw was a black man and she got scared because what was in her head. But if she would just asked him, or if she would just obey the rules to put a dog on a leash, it wouldn't have been a problem. But if she would have said, tell me about yourself, he would have said, well, I'm a Harvard grad, <laughs> which is what he was. But she didn't have that consultation. She didn't have, she didn't give him the chance to reveal to her who he was. She just judged him because of what was in her head. So instead of us doing that with people, we need to give people opportunities to, to reveal who they are. Yeah. And how do we keep that going? Because I think, you know, in moments like these there's so much energy and there's passion and we want to build those bridges but you know several months from now a year from now we we need to keep these consultations going how do we how do we do that well i think we have to walk you know one of the things that we all have in common is that we're all on a journey and we're all learning we will learn to the day we die if if, if we're faithful to who, being human we will learn about ourselves. We will learn about other people. And if we choose to um, give people the respect that they are learning to, and we walk together and learn together in relationship, this is not like uh, people who don't want to deal with it just want a quick fix. I did my thing. You know, I said, hi, I, 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 I said, I don't see color. So now I can go about my business. Well, it's not that simple. It's, it's more about building relationships, loving honest relationships with people who don't look like you and getting to know each other and giving each other opportunity to be wrong and learn and say dumb things and 
because you know I have a bunch of friends of all nationalities, and we say all kinds of dumb things to each other, <laughs> and we and we learn and we grow and you know we forgive and but it's all based on love. So it's it's it's, it's a whole lot of room for mistakes and and questions, and we have to have a culture where we can do that. But I would say to people, listen, develop relationships with people, and then develop relationships with their friends and their friends and their friends, and and don't ever assume you have arrived. Just be a learner and be humble about it. And that's something um, that your church is very, very passionate about and focused on. How have you all cultivated that in an ongoing way of, of bringing people together from different backgrounds? Yeah, our church is, you know, we have tens of thousands of people in our church um, from more nationalities than I know. San Diego is very diverse. Um, uh, uh, sdrock.com. You can watch our services at sdrock.com. But, um, you know, we have been diverse for 20 years, ever since day one. And we worship together. We serve the city together. We pray together. Um, we counsel and cry together. So we, we do life together. And because we do life together, you get to know people. And, you get to, and then you get to realize, wait a minute, the diversity we have is our strength. And there, you know, we have, I, I did a sermon in Spanish a couple of years ago and in preparation, I, I got a bunch of the Spanish speakers together so I could practice. And we have 15 Spanish speaking nations represented. That's just Spanish. Wow. <laughs> and so because, because we do life together, we get to know each other and learn from each other. And, and as you do that, you realize, wow, people are amazing. So it's not like I have to feel like I'm better than you or you're not as good as me. I have something to learn from you. And that when you have the experience of learning from different kinds of people all the time, which is what happens when you come to our church, you're always around different people. And so when that becomes your norm, you get more comfortable with that. And you get more comfortable with the fact that you don't have to know everything, that you don't have to be the, the superior one or, or the inferior one. You get to be one of the people. And so we just do life together. And that's why I go back to my relationship. You know, if you build relationships with people um, and, and, you know, on my, on my social media, I, I'm always talking about these kinds of things. And, and if someone wants to follow me at Miles McPherson on Instagram and all the thing, uh, at Miles McPherson, I'm always posting stuff. So I'm always talking about color and race and educating people and also showing that you can do that and be comfortable. It doesn't have to be a stressful, fearful thing that, you know, I'm comfortable in my ethnicity and people in our church are comfortable in their ethnicity. It's not like, you know, if you say that person's white or that person's black, that that's a racist thing. It's just a fact. If you say it respectfully and honorably. Mm -hmm. Well, and the media, you mentioned social media, the media does play a, a big role, I think, in how we often see race, whether that's social media or or movies or TV, but how can we train ourselves to, you know, when we kind of see those portrayals, recognize when maybe it, it is racist and choose to not agree with inaccurate portrayals that we're seeing? You know, it's all about numbers. I'm a numbers guy. Number one is the number of unity. Number two is the number of division. And when you hear stuff, if it's causing a number two, in other words, me against you, or if it's creating distance or dissension, that's division. If it's creating unity, it's love. And so 
when you how how you say things, what you say, how other people say things, if it is uplifting and life giving and unifying, it's not racism. If it's if it's degrading and and demeaning and and causing division, well then that's that's the negative. And so, what we always want to do is think, okay, how do I turn that comment into a positive? How do I turn that experience into a positive? How do I see? the positive in that person. That's why my book, The Third Option, helps people see God in people. Um, and um, so I would encourage people to go to Amazon, go to milesandfearson.com and, and, and get the book, The Third Option. Every, every chapter has three questions at the end. So you can actually go through a discussion guide uh, and, and, and go through discussions and talk with people. It has um, things you can do in the community. and to practice, like I have a, a chapter where I challenge, challenge people to, um, a few white people to go to a neighborhood where they're the only white person. Because black people are always around, they're always a minority, and but white people are rarely the minority. So it, it, you have to go to a place where you're the only white person, and then you can feel like, hey, oh, this is what it feels like to be the, the other. <laughs> and then you can kind of get an opportunity. I, I did it with a guy, and, and even in my book, he wrote his testimony about what he felt. And he was telling us what people were thinking in their head. And I was wondering, how do you know what people were thinking in your head? That's what he was feeling. But it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily fact. Now he had a taste of what it means to be a minority. So um, I, I just want to encourage people to get the book, uh, get the third option, read it, do it, live it and go through it with somebody who is different than you. Yeah, yeah, and we'll be sure to put the link for the book in today's show notes because it is, it's so relevant. And Pastor Miles, your story is so inspirational, everything from your time in the NFL and, and growing up to becoming a pastor and, and leading such a diverse congregation. It's so relevant. Before I let you go, I just want to ask you, what is the prayer that you're praying over our country right now? And how are you encouraging your congregation to pray? Very good. Um, Jesus said, John said, John said, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. If all of us would just say, God, I'm, I, I need to decrease. This can't be about me. It's got to be about you. And everybody wants to be defensive and be right over somebody else. That's us first then. But if we all humbled our knee before God and say, Lord, I, I just want to decrease. And I want, to, I want you to be elevated in my life. John 3.30. That's what I would encourage people to do. And, and just to humble themselves before God. Because... You know, none of us are right. You know, yes, there should be justice. That's correct. George Floyd should not have been killed. That's correct. But justice is a God thing. And, and, and we, the justice that God is going to render is way better than the justice of man. Um, you know, those cops, can, they, can, they can go to jail for the rest of their life. God has a better justice than that. He wants to change all of our hearts so it doesn't happen again. And so I would encourage people just to bow before God and surrender their life to Him. Yeah. Pastor Miles, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. Our top priority at The Daily Signal is to ensure that you have the most accurate information regarding COVID-19. Here's an important message from the White House. We are dealing with an unprecedented public health crisis with coronavirus otherwise known as COVID-19. We're working around the clock 
to develop treatments and vaccines to combat the disease. We have taken an unprecedented all of government and all of America approach to combat the COVID-19 outbreak. FDA is working around the clock to help innovators around the country develop medical products for Americans and providers. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature our favorites on this show. Virginia, who's up first? In response to Rachel Del Judas and I's article entitled, In the Wake of George Floyd's Death, What These Black Leaders Think Should Happen, Harold Harmon from Atlanta, Georgia writes, Dear Daily Signal, I found your article to be excellent, a fine piece of journalism. I am a 79-year-old white man who has lived through the dark days of segregation and supported the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s. I am saddened by what I see today and feel that Dr. King would be devastated by the madness we see. And in response to Virginia and Lauren Evans' podcast interview with Heritage Foundation President Kay Coles-James, entitled Conservatives Should Be Leading the Civil Rights Movement, Dennis Evans writes, Dear Daily Signal, just a brief note of appreciation for your interview with Mrs. James. I sincerely enjoy the information given by Mrs. James. It was both enlightening and refreshing. I agree with Mrs. James. The conservative movement should be more vocal in leading the way by example and precept in utilizing the tools our founders gave us to overcome racism and other ills within our society. Your letter could be featured on next week's show. So send us an email at letters at dailysignal.com. Are you looking for quick conservative policy solutions to current issues? Sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. In The Agenda, you will learn what issues Heritage scholars on Capitol Hill are working on, what position conservatives are taking, and links to our in-depth research. The Agenda also provides information on important events happening here at Heritage that you can watch online, as well as media interviews from our experts. Sign up for The Agenda on Heritage.org today. Virginia, you have a good news story to share with us today. Over to you. Thanks so much, Rob. The site of George Floyd's death in Minneapolis, Minnesota, has now become the location for daily prayer and worship gatherings. Youth with a Mission, a global missions group, World Outreach Church, a local church in Minneapolis, and Circuit Riders, a missions group based out of California, have all joined together to pray in unity for an end to racism. Christoph Ulyss, a staff member for Youth with a Mission who has been speaking at the gatherings, said per Fox News that we're going from pain and hatred to hope. We're going from pain and hatred to healing and hope. As an African-American man, Ulyss said of the prayer gatherings at the site of George Floyd's death that, quote, I came here and I was broken. It affected team members differently, but those of us of color as we're here, we're watching the change happen through the gospel. My heart is so filled with hope. Those in the neighborhood are saying this is unprecedented unity. They're feeling an outpouring of love and hope from this nation. World Outreach for Christ Church has been handing out food and other goods to anyone in need. And if you visit their Facebook page, you'll see photos and videos of hundreds of people gathering in prayer. Baptisms are even taking place in a large basin on the street. And pictures show gatherings of the people that are gathered in prayer with heads bowed and hands lifted in worship as blacks and whites stand together in unity 
and pray for the reconciliation of our nation. And Rob, you know, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that this is taking place, but the fact that it's happening at the very location where Floyd was killed is just so powerful. You know, we're hearing so much about the violence, but it's incredible to know that so many people are choosing to stand together in unity and peace and pray for our nation right now. That's right, Virginia. It's uh, it's important that we highlight stories like this because I think too often our our news media focuses on the negative uh, stories, the, the violent images. And thank you again for bringing us a good news story today. Yeah, no, it's definitely encouraging and uh, important, I think, to be to be focusing on the positive and keeping our hopes alive. All right, well, we're going to leave it there for today. The Daily Signal podcast can be found on the Ricochet Audio Network. All our shows can be found at dailysignal.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa Flash briefing. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It means a lot to us and helps us spread the word to other listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. Have a great week. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Rob Bluey and Virginia Allen. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Thalia Rampersad, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit dailysignal.com.